John chapter 9, verse 35 to 41. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Here ends the reading. Well, this morning we're going to look at this passage and we look at it uh, and, and find the power of that rests in the truth that we have in the Bible. What we as Christians know to be the truth doesn't work for all the non-Christian friends and family we have. If you don't know or you don't acknowledge the truth that is passed on to us by Christ and then, of course, the Apostles, then for all intent and purposes, that whatever truth they then hold to has no power in it whatsoever. The fact of the matter is this, however. At a certain point in time, each and every human being will be made aware of God's truth and they will recognize this truth as the absolute truth. Sadly, though, for a lot of people, that will be too late. Let us pray and focus our attention on the wonderful interaction we have here between Jesus and this man that he healed. Let us pray. Our Lord and Father, we come to you to ask that you will widely open our hearts and minds, that we will understand what Jesus is teaching us here today. The interaction between him and the man that he healed, Lord, and the truth that comes from it that we too may hold to that truth and know what it means for us in our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus heard that he had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Other than the point that Jesus is only too aware of all the things that are happening uh, around him in the world, And he would have known, probably, the outcome of the interrogation of this man by the Pharisees at the temple. There's also no doubt, of course, that someone would have come up to Jesus and told him, told him of all the things that transpired through that trial, the questioning, the interrogation. So Jesus must have heard it. And he had purposely gone looking for this man and found him. See, there's nothing with Jesus and with God that is coincidental. Life and ministry of Jesus had a purpose, 
and it had a result. But let us also be sure that we understand the situation this man has found himself in. The last we read last Sunday's text in verse 34, he told us, to this they replied, this is the Pharisees, you were steeped in sin at birth, how dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Well, what happened there was the temple leaders had just done to him what the parent had feared the most, that of being excommunicated from the temple, from the faith, and then therefore, of course, also being thrown out of society as a whole. The healed man would be fearful, even downcast, I would suggest, even, even though he now could see. The Jews, having been cast out of the temple, amounted to be cast out of the Garden of Eden. They're separated from God without hope, no forgiveness, there's no pardoning for their sins. And it is this point that Jesus finds this man. He was in a state of confusion on the one hand, extremely happy. He had sight, he could see, he could work, but also troubled by the excommunication by the temple. I mentioned, of course, last week that this man had been born blind He's also a model for you and I in so many ways too. Well, some of the ways we can see is before this man had any interaction at all with Jesus or been asked by Jesus if he believed in the Son of Man, Jesus had already healed him. He had not been able to see, so he wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus had found him just as he found you. And ever had his sight provided, he had come to understand what sort of man Jesus were. Because before the Pharisees had declared Jesus to be a prophet. And during the ensuing interrogation, he'd also arrived at this firm conclusion in his own mind that Jesus was a man of God. Because he stated that in verse 33 from last week. He said, if this man was not from God, he could do nothing. He knew that. And even after all this, there are still things Jesus needs this guy to know. need to take him a step further. So Jesus asked a man a pertinent question. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? That's incredible. Incredibly important question. It's of the greatest importance, in fact. Firstly, it concerns salvation. And salvation is, as we know, of the absolute greatest importance to all of us. We have read that Jesus has helped with this man's physical condition. He has even had, uh, helped him with his intellectual condition as well. And, of course, his spiritual Condition. So the question Jesus has placed on this guy at this point in time serves to quicken this man's faith and therefore lead him to a place where he trusts in Jesus and therefore also believes on Jesus. Yes, it certainly is an important question, all right. Considering what we are taught in Mark also, in Mark 8.36, what good is it for man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? 
So if you haven't ever been asked this question, then here it comes. Do you believe on Jesus? See, your answer and the consequences from that answer are solely between you and Jesus. But you are required to answer it. See, ignoring it is not going to make it go away. The second reason for this question was important is that it concerns the only way to salvation. There's an old saying, all roads lead to Rome. Not so with heaven. Even if some false teachers will claim there's lots of ways you can earn your way into heaven. And Jesus teaches us in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This comes back to trusting God's truth again, doesn't it? And accepting it as the only truth. As confirmed by Luke in the book of Acts, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's in Acts 4.12. There is, of course, a possibility that we may have some difficulty in answering such an important question. If we really think it deeply, is it that easy to answer? But there is a solution for that too. If you have some uncertainty about whether Jesus is the Son of God, was he resurrected, was he killed on the cross for your sins, or as it had, was he actually resurrected, that was my big problem. I needed that truth to be true then we simply need to do what this man did. Simple. Ask Jesus to help you. Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. This is the point in time when Jesus actually reveals himself to him by giving him this simple answer. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. See, that is not a unique situation for just this one man. It's the very same conversation Paul had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Who are you, Lord? Saul had asked. And Jesus answered him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Paul had also been blind to the truth, but Jesus would also open his eyes that he may serve the one and true God. In verse 38, then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Reading James Boyce's commentary on this, he puts it this way. If you ask the Lord this question, he will point you to himself and will lead you to true faith. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Well, let your heart say, yes, I believe. And go and tell someone else about what you know. Jesus said, for the judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. This is the ultimate good news, bad news scenario. There will only ever be two options There is no such thing as purgatory. 
where you can spend some time resting, waiting for your family to pray you into heaven or pay for your sins. It doesn't exist. This is all between you and Jesus, and we only have until the day that we either pass away or he returns. After that, there is no further change to be had. The good news is that some will be called and they will be given sight, be saved, while others who claim to see will lose everything they got. This is a common situation in the world, a situation where people will claim that they have full understanding and yet they have had an an opinion, so they're caught up in an ideology that they can't see the forest for the trees. They just can't recognise the actual truth. With some people, it's just not possible to have a polite discussion and exchange of viewpoints and understanding. They will not listen to you. In verse 40, some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? See, their question is not a real question. It's meant to indicate how silly this statement from Jesus really was. I mean, to even suggest... To suggest that a Pharisee is blind is in itself utterly ludicrous. They are, after all, the teachers of God's law. They are God's people. How can he say a thing like that? And at that point, that sets them apart. They have the law. They have read the law. They have interpreted the law. They are adding their view of the law, even, and written it down, and... They had not understood the law. They had not understood passages such as Isaiah 53, which speaks about Jesus. They had not read it and understood it. In verse 41, Jesus then tells them, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Jesus is now turning and speaking of future judgment. Paul's also speaking of this in Acts 17.31. For he has set a day, he writes, when he will judge the world with justice by the man he... He has given proof of all this to all men by raising him from the dead. It is possible to repent now, says Paul, but it will not always be so. For one day... That same Christ, who is an indirect divider of men, now will directly and actively in judgment, sin will be punished, and those who do not repent, they will be separated from God forever. We also know from reading Holy Scriptures, when guided by his Holy Spirit living in our hearts, that there is nothing we can do to be saved. We can't buy it, we can't work for it, there's nothing. It is the solemn dominion of the Lord God. How you saved. Romans 3, 10 to 12. No one is righteous, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Without the quickening of the Spirit of God, There's no way we are going to recognize Jesus as the Son of God. 
It's the same way as the Pharisees today totally fail to understand the text of a reading. We are not teaching anyone that you have to make a decision for God. To seek him and find him because that's not biblical. It's not the truth. We are, according to Paul, unable to do anything of the sort. In fact, if we saw God and we didn't have his Holy Spirit recognizing the truth of who he really is, we would run away. We are, however, called. We are predestined by God out of his love for his own people. Romans 8, 30 and 33. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. So what is our part in all of this? Well, for starters, when you feel the presence of God pressing upon your heart, saying even the dismiss it as unimportant or ignore his call upon you. And I'm not saying even the slightest that you'll be able to do that. Not forever. You can for a while. I know. I did. If your name is in his book of life, you will be his at his time, at his place. This is the conundrum we live with. We are free to live our lives as we want, but we do not have free will to accept or reject our Creator's call on us. We don't have freedom for that. We are today speaking of the power of the truth, and when we consider the truth that we are sinners, we understand that when we are called before God to be his children by the sacrifice of his one and only Son, that's how we are saved. Then surely this revelation to us will and should change our lives forever, how we are, who we are. That man healed by Jesus had his life changed for eternity. Paul's life would never be the same again past that day at Damascus. How the truth and the death of Jesus for your sins, the truth of his resurrection to give you new hope and new life, how has that changed your life? How has the truth that he, Jesus, will come back one day and he will bring you home to be in heaven with him and to enjoy his fellowship for all eternity. How should that truth have changed your life? What sort of power does that truth hold with you? How powerful is his truth in how you see life and how you live your life? See, we need to understand above all else, that God loves you beyond your wildest dreams. There's nothing he wouldn't do for you. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we come to you to thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the interaction he had with this man that we can understand that it is all up to him. It is Jesus who saves. It's Jesus who finds us. 
is Jesus who heals us. It is Jesus who died for us. Lord, cement all these things as the truth that lives in our heart, that it will change the way we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.